Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Caregiving Gen X Style. I am Steve Mullen. And I'm Jennifer Mullen. You know, caregiving is hard, really hard. And the worst part, much like being a parent, is that there is no manual. Our guest for this episode has been a caregiver for some time, quite a long time, actually, and has put together a list of seven things she wishes she knew before she started. On this episode, we're going to talk all about them. But first, Jennifer, how's your mom? But first, but before first, I tell you how my before, mom is, before she gets to that, I have something really critical to share with our listeners. So this episode isn't, we're recording this at a point where it's not going to come out for a couple of weeks. But if you are following us on our Caregiving Gen X Style Facebook page, then you see the picture that Steve posted today of the finished puzzle. It's finished. I am so proud of this myself. This puzzle we've been living with for weeks. This puzzle that we have been recording the podcast over the top of because it has been spread all over our dining room table. It's only a thousand pieces, which for me, like pretty pretty normal. A thousand Typically pieces. not a problem for yeah, her. A thousand pieces. Oh my gosh, it's taken me weeks to do it. Finally, Hannah, our lovely daughter, home last night with her roommate. They stay with us every couple of weeks because they have to get someplace early the following morning for their nursing clinicals. And um, her roommate was totally sucked into helping me finish the puzzle. So I'm very excited I about really that. I really didn't think you'd finish it up last night. Yeah. I was wrong. We did it. We I was wrong. It. We, it, it, it was, we were on a mission. Okay. So now so, that we have that very, so your mom? very important news out of the way, mom is really actually doing great. It's funny. I, we'd had a conversation recently about is Goggy still listening to the podcast every time it comes out? Because she's, you know, she kind of gives us a review. For a little while there, I would get a review the next day. Every single time a podcast dropped, she was giving us a review. We really hadn't heard a review in a while. Apparently, what it took to get her to give us a review was for me to mention, as I did on our last episode or two episodes ago i believe it was the last episode, last episode yes. <laughs> about staying with her my brother and i were taking turns staying with her post covid and a lot of snoring i was snoring. listening loud, to a loud, lot loud, of snoring. snoring so apparently her review after that podcast was to text you steve and say yeah but i don't snore meanwhile there is indeed video evidence and as I, I, I offered as I noted, to put a retraction out there saying goggy says she doesn't snore yeah she can say that all she wants. But I have video evidence. She did. She did fess up. She said, yes, I know. I'm just joking. I snore. I would not do this, but man, I would love it if we could post oh, it on the Facebook Oh, I thought about it. I thought about just the sound. People could but hear that would be it. kind of rude. It would be rude. She probably I, wouldn't appreciate would that, that to her. But most importantly, we are coming up on Goggy's 84th birthday yep. we are going to celebrate as a family in a few days and i'm really looking forward to that i know everybody is we're gonna have a lovely brunch it's gonna be fantastic and we yep. are gonna celebrate all of the fantastic things about her yep so steve how's your mom she's doing well as usual but uh you know just yesterday on you know as we're recording this uh, i went to visit her and we've mentioned before wind down wednesdays Oh, yes. I, oh, yes. Seriously, I need to be there for you wine do need to go down there. as so, I look at my glass of wine. You know, I'm in her apartment, and she, I said, well, do you want me to go get your mail for you? She said, well, why don't I come with you? I said, oh, okay, you want to just go for you know a little stroll around the building? She said, well, now it's Wine Down Wednesday, and so-and-so keeps telling me I need to come down. Her new BFF. I, well, yeah, kind of her BFF. Yeah. 
And I said, well, sure, let's go down. She said, well, you, you can have wine or you can have what I said. I don't, I don't really drink wine, but that's fine. I'm, I'm more than happy to go down there. It's a little change of scenery, a little change of whatever. But we ended up sitting at this table in their little cafe bistro area, they call it. And it was me and five women, you know, around 80 years old. It was like I was sitting at the popular table in high school, <laughs> which, by the way, I never sat at. But... <laughs> It was crazy. It, so, you know, the one woman who'd been trying to talk her into it, she is clearly the queen bee. Mm. She's in charge. She's, oh boy, she's a complainer. She's got to complain for everything. Oof. And, you know, this wind down Wednesday. We don't is, need your mom listening to a I complainer. I know, but, you know, yeah. that's the thing is there's only so many people in this building who are mentally with it. I know. That's and true. And those are the ones yes. she needs to be hanging out with. That is true. But. Yes. You know, this is obviously run by the activities director. There's a long story. They lost their activities director, blah, 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 blah. This woman despises the woman who's acting as activities director right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally, I mean, I think hate is not too strong of a word. Mm -hmm. And every time she walked by, she would make a face. And then next to me was this, uh, this woman who grew up in Brooklyn and sounded exactly like you would think she does. And then there were two others who didn't talk much, and then my mother. It was a very, very interesting. I got so much dirt yeah. on the entire building right. just what, from what, this. Right? What happened when you when you were getting up? To oh like my gosh! Let yeah, else I, come I got sit up. Down. I got up to let somebody or somebody out. Somebody was you know moving out, and I got up to give them room to get their you know their walker through. And uh, the woman next to me grabs my arm and says, "No, no, no! Sit down! Sit down! Sit down!" I said, "Well, I'm just letting him out." She said, "No, no, no! Sit down." I said, I will be right back. I want to let him out. She said, I don't want that woman over there to sit next to me because she spits when she talks to you. So <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. Yeah. It was fun. It kind of reminds me of the episode we did. This was a long time ago, right? About everything I need to know, like I learned in kindergarten. Yes. And then there's the episode of the things that you experienced when you were in high school apparently still happen when oh, you're it's 80. absolutely An octogenarian. Yes. Ooh, good word. What? Good right? word. That was a good word. Good word. Okay. Let's right. move on. As we mentioned in our intro, caregiving does not come with instructions. Our guest for this episode is trying, though, and has put together a list of seven things she wishes she knew before she became a caregiver. Our guest is Stacy Bukowskis, and I hope I pronounced that correctly. She goes by Stacy B., thank goodness. She is an author and performer who is also a caregiver. Stacy. Welcome to Caregiving Gen X Style. Thank you so much for having me. You've been a caregiver for, uh, I believe, a long time. Tell us about your caregiving journey. It's been a minute. <laughs> <laughs> we have said that so many times in this podcast. It's been a minute, as the kids say. Yeah. Ooh, as the kids say, right. I, well, you know, in my head, I'm still 30-something. So <laughs> you. Us too. Uh, Us too. <laughs> but yeah, it's been pushing 12 years now. Mm. And Wow. I had been gone from Pittsburgh for 25 years, uh, and which is where I grew up. And when I came back in 2012, if I'm being honest, I was lost. <laughs> Some things had happened in my life that had put me at a crossroads. And I came back to Pittsburgh, I think, just kind of looking for some kind of grounding to happen. But I hadn't planned to stay. It was like, get grounded and go on. <laughs> Mm -hmm. that, was, that was where my head was. But that's not what happened. Uh, my mom was not doing the best, and things started to devolve the longer I was here. And over the 12, almost 12 years it's been, I have been with her through three major surgeries, an infection that almost killed her, 
multiple mm. rehab stays mm. and all of the other things that come along with just aging. Right. And, you know, so as a caregiver, you are chauffeur, tech support, quasi therapist sometimes. Absolutely. Uh, you know, emotional support, uh, 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 lots of different things. And so that has, and, and you know, it's, it's that proverbial story of the frog that's in the pot of water and then someone turns the stove on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, you don't even know that the water is <laughs> getting ready to boil. Right. And that's yeah. what happened. And, and I would venture to guess that that's probably the way it is for a lot of people. Oh, sure. And, and I think that's also a protective mechanism. I was, uh, Stacey, I was just going to say that. Isn't yeah. that maybe a good thing, right? Because yeah. if you kind of knew all of the stuff right. that potentially is headed your way, <laughs> right. you might just like cover yourself up if, in the sand if now. If you knew where you were going, yeah. right. you wouldn't go there. Yeah. yeah. You'd run away like your butt was on fire. Yeah. <laughs> How do I get out of here? Yeah. And so, yeah, I do think it's a protective mechanism. And it's also that eternal, well, things will get better, hope thing that that can happen. And sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't. Stacy, you've written several books on this topic. But I think what we're most interested in the perfect segue, right? You've written a book about self uh, a self care journal, basically. Tell us a little bit about that. Because we have done an episode on you know, self-care, or certainly we've talked a lot about it. So I'm, I'm curious to sort of hear your thoughts on that. Well, first of all, what I've learned through this is that self-care, and it's not new, but self-care is a whole lot more than bubble baths and pedicures and a Absolutely. box of divas, you know, <laughs> yep. and, and self-care involves very difficult decisions sometimes and facing your own demons, because we all have them. We all have things we're afraid of. We all have things that we don't want to admit are on the horizon or that are on the end of the trajectory on which we find ourselves in any given moment. So I think defining self-care is important. And how this came about was I was talking to a therapist I was seeing for a while that I was just bored with my own journaling. <laughs> I'm so tired of being Wendy Weiner in my journaling. <laughs> but, but I did find it a good check-in. And she said, well, have you ever thought about just doing a quick check-in with yourself? And my neurodivergent perfectionist was like, game on. <laughs> Let's see what I can create that will not only allow that, but provide more and be more valuable than just, hey, Stace, how you doing today? Mm -hmm. So I wrote the 10-minute self-care journal. Gosh, it's probably pushing two years ago now. And what has become very clear to me, particularly in these last couple of years in my caregiving journey, is that there needs to be one that is specifically for caregivers, because there are issues that we deal with and we face that are not part of just a regular self-care program. So I am working on it. The cover is up on my website. I'm hoping to have it out by June of this April, somewhere between the late spring and early summer of this year. Because honestly, I thought I could pretty much just use the original book as a template. And I've realized I can't do that. You know, there, there are a lot of other things that need to be included in this. It will contain the same base as the original journal, which is, you know, a five minute data dump which I think all of us would benefit from every morning or in the sure. evening, whatever's your preference. And then, you know, asking yourself where your energy level is on a scale of full to empty on a gas tank. Mm -hmm. Because you know, women in particular, I think, get, a, get four hours of sleep and they're like, oh, my tank's full. Mm, no, 
<laughs> that is not the case because you started out on an eighth. So if you got four hours of sleep, maybe you're up to a half. Right. And, right. and I, I think that that is something that as caregivers and just as human beings, you know, we see the things on the calendar. We look at the to-do list. We want to check it off. And so we just push and push and push. And that will eventually lead to burnout, whether or not you like it. So gauging where your energy is every day is extremely important. And then checking in with yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Where are you in those four areas? Because that's your whole life, you know? And then what do you need that particular day in those four areas? So that template will be there in the caregiving journal, but I will offer different words. I will address topics like guilt. Where's your guilt on a scale of one to 10 today? Oh, that's a good one. We did a whole episode on guilt. Absolutely. Right. Because I, I mean, you can't be a caregiver, and not experience that. Mm-hmm. So, and then what do you do with that once you recognize it? You know, so those are some of the things that will be covered in this, in the journal that's specifically for caregivers. Oh, I like that. I think it's a lot about being very mindful about mm-hmm. where you are at any given point in time. And that that's a really hard thing to do. That's a hard thing to do, even if you're not in the middle of caring for a loved one, it, you know, whatever level right? Whatever level that it is, whether it's light care or sort of heavy full-on care, whether it's been a short time or a long period of time, it's often very difficult to stop and just be mindful about what you're doing and to your point to to have the self-care. And I, and I love that you said that it's, you know, more than just about the bubble baths and, you know, sort of those. I do love a good bubble bath. I mean, though. I'm not right. Those are all, gr- those are all great things. And, and sometimes you need those things and they're the quick, maybe simple fixes. But I think Stacy, I'd your like to point, point out that that's probably a picture our listeners didn't they probably want in their heads. It. Yeah. Which, did you see how, did you see how I just like glossed right she over really you did, saying but that? I wasn't going to let her. We're just going to keep on moving. I wasn't going to let her. Yeah. Yeah. But Stacy, I love that your thought process on trying to provide something for people is really to stop and think beyond the let me just go get a pedicure and have a break for an hour, much more about attending to your mental health, spiritual health, all of those things in the middle of all of this. So yeah, I really love that. Sometimes self-care is making a doctor's appointment you've been avoiding. Yeah. Sure. Because you don't want to know what they're going to say. Yes. No, you don't. That is true. So Stacey, the reason we wanted to have you on the show is that you've come up with a list of seven things you wished you knew about caregiving before you became a caregiver. You gave us that list in advance, and we're going to go through them. The first item, many of the choices you're faced with will feel hard. There's no doubt that that's true. Hard to disagree. What does it mean to you? Well, I think that for me, caregiving for a long time was a constant battle of I either give my mom what she needs or I give myself what I need. And that can feel really hard because sometimes they're in conflict. Sometimes I just need to stay in bed until 1030 on a Saturday morning right? and not have a conversation or deal with the fact that there is something with the phone that's not working or a bill that is not, you know, a company that's not letting you in and that you can't figure out your password. (laughs) You know what I mean? Sometimes those things happen and they're in conflict. And so I think for me, the biggest takeaway from that is let them be hard. Because I find, and to your point about mindfulness, if you can find a way to be in the moment and accept what is, it changes everything. And then the hard isn't as hard. 
And the irritating isn't as irritating, but it's about finding a way, whatever that means for you, billions of tools out there that you can find and use to do this. Everybody's got to find what works for them. But the hard gets softer when you're able to be in the moment. Yeah, it's interesting. Some of what you're saying reminds me of something that we talked about on a recent episode, and that is what really constitutes an emergency? Right. Right? You know, you're. Yep. It, 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 is it truly that uh, Netflix isn't working at the moment? Is for, that an emergency? Is that really an emergency? And then those are the decisions that you might have to make. Yes, you want to handle that, certainly, for the person that you're that you're caring for in again in some way, shape, or form, but also balancing that with do you have to rush over and handle that right at that moment? Like, you know, that's not a true emergency. I think it's important definitely for people to think those things through and to not not feel guilty about it when you make some of those decisions. So the second thing uh, on your list is there's rarely a right or wrong answer. Again, we 100% agree. Uh, what do you think is the best way to handle that fact? Well, I think that the best way and the most efficient way to describe this is to use something that the Swiss psychiatrist Carl Jung came up with. And that's the third option theory, which basically says that most human beings, when presented with two choices, neither of which appeals to them, We'll choose one or the other instead of sitting in the discomfort of the not knowing. Hmm. That's and, so true. Right? And if you can sit in the discomfort of the not knowing, that a third previously inconceivable option will appear. I have tested this theory multiple <laughs> times in my life, and it works every time. If you can find the courage to sit in the discomfort of not knowing what you're going to choose. Oh, my God. I can't do that. It's so hard for me. That is hard. I it's really hard. It, uh, but I'm telling you, it never fails. And I'll give you a quick example. My mom and I were at the gym today. We're sitting in the hot tub after both of us doing our respective physical therapy because I need a hip replacement. So that's fun. She's, I told her I had an ap appointment with the surgeon on Monday. And she said, oh, where is it? I told her. She said, oh, well, can you take me to Aldi? I can shop while you're at the doctor's. And I immediately slapped no. <laughs> because I want that time for me. Mm. And then I realized, well, that probably wasn't the kindest response. And I sat with it for a minute and I thought, well, I don't really like the option of not taking her and giving her what she needs. And I don't really like the option of taking her at that particular time. And I sat with it as the water bubbled around me. And I said, you know what? If you can take access over to Aldi, I'll pick you up so you don't have to struggle with the groceries home. And that was the third option, yeah. which he was yeah. fine with. See, I'm more of the type of person, and I believe we've discussed this on the podcast before, I will sit and look at the right and wrong answer, really more two wrong answers, and I will just circle in my brain for three days trying to find a better answer that does not exist. Well, but there is if you let your mind out of it. Yeah, I don't do that. That's the key. <laughs> well, okay, I'm she's sorry trying for to you. She's trying but, to teach you something here. She's trying to help. I know. <laughs> but, she's trying to help me. That's really the answer because when the intellect takes over, there's no room for whatever power that is greater than you are, whatever you want to call it, for you to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Because well, you're too so busy is, spinning. 
I, I think this is a good segue too, though, into the third thing, right? So there's the very black and white of the what's the right answer, the wrong answer, right. maybe that's not there. Third thing, most things are not cast in stone. Absolutely so not. What do you so what do you mean by that? Well, I think that not that I think I know. We live in a binary world. <laughs> you know? And I also think that as a caregiver, planning is probably at the top of your priority list. Yes. Got a plan so I can take care of me, so I can take care of them, blah, 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 blah. Well, my mantra these days is, we'll see. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Because I think COVID precipitated a level of change that almost everybody I know is experiencing on a daily basis. Nothing has stayed the same over the last few years. Sure. Things are changing every day. It's insane. And and human minds were not meant to keep up with this level of change. Look how long it took us to to evolve with opposable thumbs, for God's sake. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're not created for this. And I think that's a big part of what is stressing our mental health and, and is contributing to lots of other things going on in the world. And for me, I love it when I can live my day like a yoga asana. Just going to breathe and move from this place to that place. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to breathe and I'm going to move from that place to the other place. And that's a really tall order. I'm not going to lie. But if you cast things in stone, it's a setup. Other than like, it's super important things like a doctor's appointment or something like that, you know, but other things that need to get done, like running to the Dollar Tree, (laughs) <laughs> you know, or, or, mm-hmm. or something else your parent may want you to help them with or need your support in. We'll see. Right. Well, and it, it sounds a lot like, right, you, you be flexible where you can. Right. But fi- find the flexibility where you can. Sometimes there are, are to your point, there's going to be doctor's appointments or certain things where there isn't flexibility. But when you can practice that, practice it, be adaptable. Things are going to change sometimes. And Go with the flow. That's a good. I am terrible at that. You are. <laughs> I am you absolutely terrible at going with yes. the flow. And we have two children. One is better at that than the other. Yes. That's one takes after true. you. One takes after it's me. It's true. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely true. true. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's a practice, though. It's a practice. It is. You know, oh, it definitely it, is. It was my uh, my marriage to plans has been beaten out of me. <laughs> I wish it hadn't been. I wish I'd have been able to voluntarily say, we'll see. This is what we're, it's an outline. Yep. You know, it, it's not, and there are going to be detours. That's just the way it is. And yep. being so attached to the plan has caused me a lot of misery. Well, I was <laughs> just going to say, right, as soon as you figure out that, that the plans just, they can't always unfold the way you might like them to, right. it's, it brings you a lot more peace. That's for sure. A lot less stress. And I think that what one good thing is that my mother is actually less flexible about things than I am. That um, is true. So I seem like the flexible one compared to her. Mm. <laughs> do you? I think so. Do you? Yes, I do. Okay. I think so. We're going to sideline that conversation We're for later. just put a pin in that. Yeah, yeah, we <laughs> okay. will. Okay. So the fourth thing on your list, uh, quote, a lot of times the best thing to say is nothing. And we, we've actually talked about this before on the show, and we've tried to teach ourselves not to try to solve every problem and instead say, that sucks. Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? That is a part of what I'm talking about. 
What I have learned is that not every thought needs to be verbalized. Not every observation needs to be expressed. That my question is, I'm tapping my foot on the ice going, is that going to hold my weight? Because I did not know that when I first started. (laughs) And I plunged into very cold water multiple times. And that does not lead to anything good. It didn't for me anyway. You know, I don't need to. And also to bring in what you're saying, you don't need to solve every problem. You know, I think I think a lot of times for human beings who I mean, it's obvious you guys are intelligent. So if you're a smart human being, part of your identity is sewn up in your ability to figure things out. That's just the truth. So when someone has a problem and you know how to solve it, the question is, what's driving me to solve it? Is it because I don't want to be aggravated by it? Is it because mm-hmm. I need to prove my worth? What is it? And it, it's different in every situation. But mm-hmm. I think that's a super important question to ask yourself. Why do I feel the need to fix this? I agree, right? Yes. Like, what ultimately are you going to gain from mm-hmm. it? Right? And and sometimes the, the thought process is, it might take you to a spot where you say, yep, I, I, I'm definitely, we're all going to gain from problem solving here, trying to figure this one out. Other times it's going to take you to a place where you realize there's just no point in saying something or trying to fix something. I think the key is trying to train your brain to process all of that very quickly so that you can handle it the right way on the spot. So you can keep your mouth under control. Right, because I don't always keep my, I don't. Mom, Goggy, I know you're probably listening. We know you're listening because yeah, snoring. You don't yes. snore apparently. I I should stop myself sometimes from saying certain things. I and it's not out of anything other than just right. It comes out fast and and you 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 want to help or you you want to point something out maybe maybe that they've said that's slightly incorrect or whatever. And then you know what's the point? I find I find that I kick myself a lot of times after the fact. So I'm going to take this moment right now to apologize to my mom for all the times <laughs> yeah. that I do that. And I don't mean to do that. It just happens. Well, one of my mom, I have several mantras. And one of them is to what end? Right. Yep. Absolutely. Perfect. To what end? You know? Yes. And that has saved me a lot because no one likes to apologize you know, and then I say something or I act in a way that I feel the need to apologize for. And I'm not happy about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't like apologizing for yep. for behaving in a way that I is not aligned with who I know myself to be. Yes. And so that that question of to what end has also saved me a lot. I, I need to I definitely need to file that away and remember, Steve, you're much better about this. So Steve sometimes will come home and tell me about certain interactions that he's had with his mom. And my immediate reaction is like, well, did you did you say anything about like, did you correct that? Did you did you say this? Did you do that? Whatever. And my and standard answer is, what's the point? Exactly. What's the which point? You're you are so much. Ooh. Better. I'm like a Zen master over here or something. Uh, okay. Let's Yikes. Don't, let's, let's not, not take go it that too far. far but okay, I'm, just I'm taking saying, it too you far. Are, okay. You are better about that than I am. Okay. Moving on to the next thing, Stacy, and that is, quote, bearing witness is a beast. That is definitely very true, but can you explain that a little bit more? 
Well, I think this is someplace where self-care is absolutely integral when you're a caregiver. Because you cannot repeatedly see somebody you care about suffer without it having an impact on you. Mm -hmm. And whether they're in the hospital, dealing with a surgery, whether they are upset because one of your siblings did something or said something or whatever the case might be, uh, whether a friend might have snubbed them, whatever the case might be, all the way up to dealing with a serious medical condition like Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, dementia, you know, at that level, cancer. Uh, it's really hard. And I think most of us, our initial reaction is to gird our loins <laughs> so that it doesn't have an impact on us. Yes. But just because you're not acknowledging it in that moment does not mean that it's not affecting your body, your nervous system, and your subconscious. Because trust me, it is. Absolutely. And the sooner you can address that, the more vulnerable you're willing to be with yourself. And I'm not saying, you know, you have to get on a stage and cry it out for an audience, you know, but it's really important to acknowledge and it might not be, be able to happen in the moment. I had something happen the other day. I saw an old comment from an old Facebook po post and, you know, sometimes the memories on Facebook, I'm like, yeah, you know, thanks a lot. Facebook <laughs> really, really didn't need to see that, but I saw something and in the moment I kind of felt like I'd been cut a little bit, but it was one of those things where I was like, Oh yeah, whatever. And then I just moved on. And then mm -hmm. the next day, the grief was there for real. Hmm. It just took that length of time, you know, because it's some. It was a comment from somebody I no longer speak with, so it took a minute to catch up, and that can happen, you know, when you bear witness to something. But the important part is to create an intention to deal with the sadness and the grief and whatever else you might be feeling as close to the moment it occurs as possible. You know, I think just as important. I mean. So what this reminded me of, and, and this may not be exactly what you were thinking when you came up with this particular point, was that as caregivers, a lot of times our loved ones don't really know what's going on, but we know what's going on and we're watching the whole thing happen. Right. So, I mean, you know, I, I guess an example for me, at least, you know, my father, we, we've talked about it many, many times. He passed away in 2001, brain cancer, fought it for two years. I watched the whole thing happen. And then, you know, he passed away and God bless my mother. She immediately started having to take care of her mother who had Alzheimer's. So I watched that all happen. Wow. And, you know, pretty much one after another. And I mean, I don't know how she, my mother made it through. I really don't. But so that's what I'm talking about is we as the caregivers, we see everything that's happening and we're bearing witness to everything that's happening. And a lot of times the, our, our loved ones that we're taking care of, they're just kind of along for the ride and it happens, but we remember it. Although I'm going to, I'm going to offer the opposing, not opposing, that sounds like confrontational. That's not what I mean. But I mean, the other thing that's difficult is... So Steve, I mean, both of our moms and Stacy, it sounds like maybe your mom too, right? They're, they're, they're pretty mentally with it. Yep. They're just witness. They are bearing witness True. to their bodies breaking down. True. Right. So they're yep. still happy and moving along. I mean, I think my mom is the perfect example of just someone who is such a trooper and she's always smiling and happy and, and trying to have a positive attitude about, you know, just about everything. But you know, she's she's aware that her body doesn't 
work the same way that it used Mm -hmm. to. And that takes some time for her, you know, brain to catch up to that. And we've definitely had moments along the way where she's lost her balance. She's fallen. She's had Mm -hmm. to pull her medical alert button. And she said sort of after the fact, like, yeah, like, I, in my in my head, I can still move faster. Yep. And it, but I can't actually physically do that anymore. So it's a this is this is a bearing witness is a beast is kind of a big one that I think covers a lot. Absolutely. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, Stacy, uh, the sixth thing that you mentioned is actually really part of why we started this podcast in the first place a little more than a year ago, and that is. Having support from other people who have done this work is absolutely essential. Preach. Yes. Um, If you go back and listen to some of our early episodes, we talk about sort of the birth of this podcast, which really was the result of a Saturday afternoon at a sports bar after we left a skilled nursing facility where where Steve's mom was staying. Like it was a sport. It had just been been a, a bad day a really bad day and a really sad time. And we just said, you know, we need to, we need to write a book. We need to do a podcast about this because it number one will help us write cathartic, help Mm -hmm. us get all of this out. But if we can anywhere along the way, while we're enjoying ourselves doing this in our dining room, provide support to other people, that's absolutely what we want to do. So Stacy, talk a little bit more about that support network. Well, everybody is different. There are some people who are joiners who might appreciate a caregiving support group. There are many churches that have them. My, my problem was I couldn't find one that was non, that was not specific. There mm. were Alzheimer's support groups. There were cancer support groups. There were even down to specific types of cancer. Mm. But just finding one for general caregiving was not something that was in my area. And and I'm not a joiner. So that gives you an idea of how lonely and desperate and alone I felt in this, that I was actually even looking into that. Mm -hmm. So, but there are other people where they get, they feel the support and the connection from being in a group of people because of that commonality. I would say friends who, who have done this job, my best friend took care of two mothers First her adoptive mother and then her biological mother. Oh, both wow. Who have passed on. Wow. And so we have a shorthand because I don't have to explain anything to her. Right. She gets it without me having to tell her why I'm upset or mm. anything else. And I joke that, you know, without her, I'd be wearing orange. <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> there have been moments friends where where that seemed like a reasonable option (laughs) (laughs) and um you know you need someone to talk you off the ledge when it happens and it can't just be one person because that's too much of a burden to -hmm. place on one other human being so whatever you need to do and there i think a lot of people especially those of us that are of the type a perfectionist personality types i got this i'm good it's not that bad, you know, uh, but yes, it is. Right. It is. Right. Well, that, that leads us right to the next thing. Actually, you're never going to be perfect at this. Nope. And like you said, this is aimed at the perfectionists, the type a personalities, basically Jennifer, 
Okay. Jennifer knows all about that. I, I, yeah, I own you it. You own that? I do. Good. Good. Because yeah. well, we know, I mean, I, we've been married a long time. Yes. Long time. I know. Type A, right across the table from me. Yep. I'm going to push back on that just a little bit. Because while it is absolutely guaranteed that perfectionist and type A personalities are going to be continually evaluating whether or not they made the right choice. Did I do the right thing? How could I have done this differently? How can I do it another way if it happens again? Absolutely agree with all of that. What I will say about it, though, is I think that anybody who is taking care of a parent wants to make sure they're doing the best that they can. Absolutely. Sure. And that can play into that. I could have done better. It wasn't enough. And, you know, that may be true a small percentage of the time, but so what? You're a human being. Nobody's perfect. No one's going to get it right every single time. And I think that it's really important to give yourself the space and grace not to be perfect, but to know you're doing the best you can in any given moment. And, you know, my physical therapist said something to me the other day, which really hit me. She said, One of her mentors said to her, if you wake up on a day and all you can give the world is 40% and you give that 40%, you've given a hundred percent. Love that. And you know, that's a new thing to integrate on my caregiving journey. She was talking about it in the context of, well, let me do three times the amount of sets she told me to do (laughs) for my hip exercises. But it, it applies to this, I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. A hundred, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I totally, I totally agree with that. Stacy B, thanks so much for being on the show with us today. This has been fun. This has been really interesting. Uh, tell us again how people can find you and how they can look into purchasing current books, future books, etc. Well, I'm happy to do that. I will also say that my purpose in talking about this is so that we can come together and collaborate so that we can care for the people we love without killing ourselves in the process. Mm. And that is my main reason for doing this. So I am happy to share my website. It's stacyb.com, S-T-A-C-I-B.com. You can find out more. I'm actually doing a, a presentation that'll go into a little more depth on these on this subject. And Virtual Senior Academy um, will allow people to attend it online. So all of that info can be found on my website, along with the Amazon link to the journal that already exists and a way to get a notified when the caregiving journal comes out later this year. Okay. That sounds great. Thanks uh, for being on the show. We really appreciate it. And thanks so much to everyone for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, as always, we have several ways to do it. Caregivinggenxstyle at gmail.com. That's the email. You can send us a text or leave us a voicemail. We love voicemails. 804. We get very we get very excited. We do. With the listener feedback. Man, I, positively giddy. Yeah, it's awesome. Giddy. Yes. Can you imagine me giddy? Mm. It's not a pretty thing. It, it's, <laughs> no, it's, it doesn't no. happen often. No. Giddy really is doesn't. not a word I would use to describe you. No, Just n- almost never. Okay. 804-723-1221 is the number. And uh, you can find us on Twitter. That's the only name we're going to call it. Our handle is at Gen X Caregiving. We're also on Facebook. Just search for the name of the show. That's really where we post the most because as Gen Xers, that's just what we do. Yeah, and you can see the puzzle. And you go can check see out the, puzzle. the puzzle, the completed puzzle. If you haven't looked, go look. Thanks again to everybody for listening. We hope to hear from you soon. Have a great day.
Good night, everyone. 